0: Hello, this is the Mid Musings podcast, the podcast that focuses on everyday issues, illnesses and disabilities that affect everyday people. Find us anywhere you listen to your podcast and on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, and YouTube at Mid Musings. Please subscribe.
1: Today, my guest is a really special young lady. She's an author and she also has a podcast. Her book encourages everyone who has been slighted in their job to speak up. So, welcome to the Made Podcast, Podcast. Can you please introduce yourself and tell us more about you? Hello,
2: everyone. My name is Genesis Amaris Kemp. As a um The lovely host mentioned I do have a lot going on, Um, I am a creative content writer visionary inclusion and diversity enthusiast, and self development advocate. I'm also the author of chocolate drop in corporate America from the pit to the palace my book came out. Um, last last year. So May 27th, the first edition came out. Now 2021, just recently I released the second edition of the book on February 20th. So the book really just talks about, you know, inclusion and diversity as well as equity, um, rising above any limitations and barriers that people have placed on you. It talks about what to do, like if you've been slighted in the workforce, like, and I really just, i um, the trials and the tribulations that occurred to me whenever I was in corporate America and predominantly in oil and gas and how I navigated through, you know, the, um, the ranks and climbed the corporate ladder per se. And it wasn't easy because there was a lot of challenges, but I didn't let those challenges keep me to the point where it was limiting me from where I wanted to go. So I guess the Just to encourage those of you listening is never let what someone tells you you can't do be a hindrance to you.
1: Oh, thank you for that introduction, Genesis. I'm really impressed, you know. Um, So what actually prompted you to write the book?
2: Actually a day of frustration, to be honest. So it was just my moment of saying enough is enough. Like I'm tired of feeling the way that I feel like I'm tired of being here, but then feeling like I was invisible, feeling like I was just a token to the organization or feeling like, hey, I'm just here going through the emotions. And I think that we have all felt that way at some point in our life. So I just pulled out my phone one day after a performance review because I got some feedback that I didn't agree with because I knew it was contradicting to what my peers review said. So the review came from my supervisor, who was a woman and a Caucasian woman at that And I felt like, okay, as women, we should be helping one another, pulling one another up. And when you work in a male dominated field, such as oil and gas, women are, you know, a minority because it's ran by men. Then the second thing is the color of your skin. I'm African-American. So that's another layer to that you have to overcome. So it was just various things. And that's when I was like, okay, you know what? I'm just going to throw my hands up. I'm going to just say enough is enough, you know? And that was like my mental awakening to myself as well as a spiritual awakening. Cause I really prayed to God and I said, what is it that you want me to do? And it was in, you know, a day of frustration that led me to writing the title in my phone, chocolate drop in corporate America and three sentences. And then after that, I went on to meet an, an author who was actually, you know, doing things that I was aspiring to do. And that's when I realized that, hey, there's a book inside of me that needs to be put out there to help other people. Because it's not just about Genesis and my story, but it's about how am I impacting other people who are reading my story? How am I helping to change lives by sharing my stories? How am I giving back to society by being an authentically me and just sharing like it's not easy but this is how I did it and maybe you can you can use these tools and it will be beneficial for you
1: Oh I love that the fact that it's quite authentic yes it's from like you said it was from your frustration and being a woman being a female in a male dominated environment couldn't have been easy <laughs> I guess but you've um, actually come out positive, you're taking a stride above your limitations, and then you've done something good with it. So, well done, you. Yeah. Well, um, since writing the book, how has life been for you?
2: It has been challenging in a sense, like there's been some good challenges and some bad challenges. When I was writing the book, things were great. Then, leading up to the point when my book was going to get released, my dad got sick. He went into the hospital. Then his health started declining by being in the hospital. Then fast forwarding, my dad passed away in 2020 in November. It wasn't from COVID, but just like me having to really take a step back from like really promoting the book because I wanted to be there to help my dad because my dad has always been there to help me. So it's pretty much a circle of life and even though like i'm american i'm first generation american because my parents are caribbean descent so we're very like family oriented and etc so whenever my whenever my book came out may 27 2020 it was 6 days after my dad was in the hospital so i really it was like i was glad that the book was out but i couldn't really celebrate it cuz my priorities were on my father and his well being and you know is is my dad going to be okay and stuff like that Then after the book came out, the whole Black Lives Matter movement happened. So then people started to ask, oh, did you release your book in preparation to the whole Black Lives Matter movement? And I answered and I said, no, it was a coincidence that my book came out before the whole Black Lives Matter. I didn't even know something like that was going to happen, just like we didn't even know there was going to be a global pandemic. But there was a lot of things that really rocked me, but also rocked the rest of the world. Then in... Then after my dad passed in November, a week later, um, my company announced that they were going to lay me off after seven and a half years. And they told me a week after my dad passed. So it's like my dad passes on November 25th. Then I found out that I will be laid off in February 2021 on December 1st is when they told me. So it was like just trial after trial. But then with me being spiritual as well as religious. I was like, okay, God, I'm just going to lift this up to you because I don't know what your what message that you're trying to get to me, but this is just another hiccup in the road, but it's not something that is permanent. It's something that's temporary. So by me shifting my perspective, it, actually, it helped me personally because I could have taken, you know, certain things a a lot worse if I didn't have, like, you know, a positive mindset or if I didn't have a belief in my Heavenly Father. Yeah, so there's been good and bad, like, and, you know, you just kind of go through the emotions because it's a roller coaster ride. But then you re- you have to remind yourself not to get stuck in the bad because there's always good on the other side.
1: Oh, I'm so sorry about your dad. It must have been really tough for uh, Yes life goes on you know but there's always life after death yeah so that's the thing i want to say to you i lost my dad too. i started my podcast after my dad passed away and i lost my mom shortly before my dad actually died as well so oh, i'm so like, sorry yeah. A- yeah i still have moments when i feel like like they're just away on holiday I mean, it takes time to get over the loss of a loved one, especially when you're close to them, like your dad, and then your book coming out just a few days after he was hospitalized, and then you getting laid up after he passed away. That's not really nice for your company to do. I mean, they should have just given you at least one month to get over the loss of your dad. Okay that's the way I see it anyway, but I know organizations differ the way they do things. I mean, if they're determined to lay you off or follow you, they do what they have to do. So.
2: Yeah. But, you know, it's it's funny that you say that because whenever I was whenever it happened, I thought the same thing, like how insensitive. But then I also kind of flipped the script and I said, well, when one door closes, another one is going to open a bigger and better door. And I and then whenever you think of, you know, losing a loved one, yes, it hurts. But we also have to remember that Everyone grieves differently. There's days where, because it's only been three months, there's days where, you know, I just sit and tears start to roll down my my eyes. But, you know, the tears are healing and they're refreshing and it's helping me, you know, get a little bit stronger every time that I cry and I mourn for my dad. But I think about, you know, the good memories and the times that we shared. And I know with you losing both of your parents, I can't even imagine so close together because at least, you never have the right words to say to someone who loses like a parent, especially because there's a bond that you have with, with your parent. And once once they're gone, you're like, man, I thought they were going to be here to like play with my children, meet their grandchildren and just different stuff like that. But then we have to remember that they're they're no longer in a world where they're suffering and all of that stuff. And, it, and when we think about it that way, it's just beautiful because we want them to be here with us. But if they're, if they were still here and they were suffering, they wouldn't really enjoy
1: their quality of life. Definitely, I agree with you on that. I didn't want to see my dad suffer as much as grieves man I am actually like, I'm glad he didn't have to witness this pandemic because that would have actually killed him faster than whatever was wrong with him. I was glad that it wasn't around to witness the pandemic. It's something it wouldn't have been able to survive. So, yeah. So, well, let's go to the topic of the day. So much about grief. but I mean, grief is something that it it never ends. I don't think it ends, but you get better at dealing with it. That's the only thing I can say about grief. But the topic of today, we're going to be talking about inclusion and diversity at work. And from your introduction about your book, I just was curious to find out if your book is only targeted at Black people or why the comments about the Black Lives Matter from whoever said that to you.
2: Yes, so I would tell people that even though the title may be controversial and it may say chocolate drop in corporate America, I don't want to disengage other readers because I did it from my perspective of me being that chocolate drop in corporate America. And I didn't want to say African-American or black because some people say, hey, I'm not from Africa. So don't don't call me African-American or don't call me black because my skin is brown or whatever. There's so much like there's so much stuff around like color and et cetera. So I was like but chocolate, like. Chocolate comes in all shapes, all sizes, all tastes. There's milk chocolate, dark chocolate, white chocolate, crunchy chocolate, all types of chocolate. And it's sweet. And you just can't have one piece. You want to eat more because you like the sweetness when it goes in your mouth. You like the milkiness or the crunchiness. And it just suits your palate. So I was like, you know what? I want something cute and classy, but also catchy and controversial. So I was like, I'm going to put put myself as that chocolate drop in corporate America. But if you really look at the book cover, you see there's a world in the background to let people know that these issues don't just happen in America, but they happen worldwide. Whether it's systemic racism, whether it's social injustice, whether it's ageism, sexism, any form of discrimination, and et cetera. Then there's various people from all ethnicities on the cover of the book. So it takes all of us coming together to really push inclusion, diversity, and equity. You can't have diversity without inclusion, and you can't have diversity and inclusion without equity. And then the subtitle of the book is From the Pit to the Palace, because sometimes we have to go through the dark seasons in our life, In order to appreciate the light at the end of the tunnel, or metaphorically speaking, our palace. And everyone's palace is going to look different because whatever, yes, whatever brings you satisfaction is, you know, your palace. Just like people say, oh, you know, I have all this money and I'm still unhappy. So your your values of success is going to be different than mine. And that's okay because we want to accomplish different things in life. So whenever we really start to unpack inclusion, diversity, and equity, I tell people, let's start with diversity. Diversity is making sure there's different people there, different cultures, different ethnicities, different religions. Inclusion is making sure those people who are different feel included. And what does that look like in a corporation? Helping the people who have disabilities, whether they are physical disabilities or invisible disabilities, making sure you have a place for mothers who are repatriating back into the organization. Do you have a nursing room so the mother could, you know, pump her breast milk and store it because now she's now coming back to work. And, you know, she still needs to breastfeed for her child if that's what she chooses. Do you have a place where people from different religions, there's a room where they could just pray? Because different religions pray certain times of the day. Do you have a safe place where different employees, like such as employee resource groups, could go voice some of their concerns to people who look like them, but also have allies who are in the room to correlate that message up to upper management? Then equity is about equality, making sure everyone is seen and heard, making sure everyone is treated fairly, because if you treat your employees well, they're going to want to stay with the company and they're going to want to work harder. They're going to want to help you accelerate. But it starts with each one of us getting back to humanity and really coming together. Stop looking for ways to divide us as a whole, but look for ways where we can be integrated. How can we push the needle a lot further? Sure, we may have differences and disagreements, but it's okay to respectfully disagree. But then you could also tell the person in a respectful manner. I don't necessarily agree with, you said, with what you said for this reason. Can you help me understand it from your point of view? And you need inclusion, diversity, and equity, whether you're running your own business, whether you're working for someone. It takes all of us coming together in order to create an extraordinary experience and build our partnerships.
1: Oh, I like that. Thank you so much for that. Quite revealing what you've said that. Lots of things need to happen in the workplace, you need to be able to take care of the mother who's just come back after birthing and you need to be able to respect other people's opinions, you need need a room where everybody can feel safe and valued, irrespective of their color, irrespective of their age, irrespective of their religion, irrespective of their sex. So I agree with you on that, that there's still a lot that needs to be done. What are some of the ways that organizations can use inclusion and diversity to their advantage? So one
2: way is pay attention to your hiring methods, because sometimes I feel like companies only hire enough people to show their shareholders that yes, I'm inclusive. Yes, I'm diverse. But you don't want that individual to feel like they're a token or they're just that person to help you check the box. When you hire that person, how do you plan on developing that person? Or are you just hiring them for them to be a placeholder so you can make sure that you're getting the necessary funding for your business by having a diverse group of population, but then you're not gonna hire more than Than you're um, required. Because whenever you think about organizations, sometimes organizations, they're going to do enough to get by when in reality, we need to hire the best people for the job, no matter what their race is. Another thing to do in an organization when we talk about inclusion, diversity, and equity, if your organization does not fully get it, then maybe you need to hire a consultant or Bring in someone who specializes in that field to help your organization do training and delivery, to teach your employees as well as upper management, what is inclusion, diversity and equity? What does it look like? Here are some ways that you can improve and do better in this space to make sure that your employees are not just existing, but they're thriving in the workplace. And it's a place where they could say, this is where I want to work until I retire or et cetera. And then, just have discussions, have open panels, like for example, whenever there was the George Floyd incident, so many companies you know they were they were speaking up about it because they're like, "Oh wow, I didn't know this was existing, but did you ever think to ask someone who was an african American person, like why do you guys feel like these are the issues and different stuff like that? you kind of have to like just start like with an authentic question and say, hey, I don't understand it, but can you help me? Can you help me understand a little bit more from your perspective? Or like educate me on maybe some resources that I should go read, a book I should read, a movie I should watch, or something like that. Just start by having a question, but let that person know that, hey, I don't get it. Because I felt like after that incident happened, and you know, the whole Black Lives Matter movement, and not to really talk about You know politics or different groups here, but there is a time and a place for everything and silence is worse than not speaking up. I would rather someone speak up and say, I don't get it, I don't understand, but help me understand versus not saying anything and then we're on the other side feeling like as if you don't care.
1: Yes, I appreciate everything you've said, but in most cases, organizations don't actually use inclusion and diversity to their advantage for what are these barriers that organizations actually face when trying to implement inclusion and diversity First of all, if there's
2: not a lot of people that are that are different, then they're like, hey, they're probably thinking, hey, well, you know, I gave you a job. Like, what more do you want? Like, I, I provided an opportunity. I did this. I did that. And they really just don't understand it. And I'm not sure if they're if it's just that it's not a priority to them, or if it just doesn't interest them, or maybe they just don't. Maybe they're afraid. They don't know what to do or what to say because they don't want to come across as Racist or a bigot, or whatever the case may be. But I feel like if you are a global company and you hire people from multiple ethnicities, then you should at least learn about the cultures that you are hiring because they're part of the organization and they are what makes the organization run. Because it's not just the people at the top who are successful, the people at the bottom help make the people at the top successful. So, if you're in tune with your organization as a whole, then you're going to know how to really address people and make people feel secured in a point where, okay, I feel secured to where I am valued. I feel secure to where my ideas are um, taken into consideration, whether they use your idea or not. I feel secure in, in XYZ. And I feel like in a male dominated field, such as oil and gas, that is predominantly ran by males, as I mentioned earlier, and it's predominantly by older Caucasian males, you have to see what's in it for them to learn more about inclusion, diversity, and equity. And if the main population is older white males, you have to see how to re-incentivize them to really learn more about inclusion, diversity, and equity. And it's almost like a two-sided prong Yes, we want to. We as minorities or people um, who are non-Caucasian want to feel appreciated and et cetera. But then, how do we correlate that message upwards to see to senior leadership who does not look like us? So it's I would say the middle ground is to assign allies, allies from that could be in the middle of you know the minorities and be in the middle of leadership. That way. People who are minorities, they could convey their message to allies. Allies could package it in a way that senior leader could receive the message because sometimes there can be miscommunication and misalignment from whenever you're going from someone who doesn't look like you to someone who does look like you because they may not necessarily understand it. So that's like one suggestion that I would have based on, you know, my personal experience and perspective. Another thing is have like different topics that we could talk about where we could begin to assimilate and not necessarily make it around race, but have like a topic. Like, for example, you could have a topic about what does thriving in the workplace look like? And you invite, you know, a big group of people and make sure that group is diverse so then you're hearing the difference of opinions as at and as you're hearing the difference of opinions and doing the different exercise then you would get to learn a little bit more about your colleagues um the leaders will learn a little bit more about the people that are working for them then you can see okay where is there a need to improve based on this subject matter at hand
1: oh yes thank you so much for those yeah Lots of organizations need to have opinion polls to improve their communication in the first instance. The more you understand people working together, the more you are able to take advantage of those policies that each of them possess. So that's really great. How do you feel about systemic discrimination or systemic racism in workplaces?
2: I feel that systemic racism in in the workplace, as well as discrimination, is really pulling apart the organization. And the reason why I say that is if you are experiencing those things in the workplace, it's almost, in a sense, like workplace bullying. And if you're in an environment that is toxic, you're not going to perform to your optimal capability because there's already things inside the organization that are unsettling. And those unsettling things, it's hard for you to really go in to work and really be your best whenever you know there's forms of microaggression, there's unconscious biases, there's preconceived notions, there's discrimination, and etc. You're gonna, our natural reaction is going to be to retreat because we already feel like it's not a conducive environment. And the the other thing is we spend so much of our time at work. We spend more time at work than we do at home. So then whenever you go to work, you're going to be half checked in and half checked out because you're like, I'm going to this place where there's so much garbage. And this was never a place that This was never a place or never an environment that I wanted to be in. So it's not conducive to me. So I'm just doing, I'm going to do enough to fulfill the job that they're paying me for, but I'm not going to go the extra mile because what, like, what am I getting in return? Like, they don't value me. They see me as less than, they treat me as if, you know, I'm just invaluable and et cetera. But yet I'm still here. So then what what happened for me, because I experiencing the systemic racism, I kind of just said, you know what, there are ways around it. This boss is not always going to be my boss. Like, even though I came in the organization when I first started in 2013 for this Fortune 500 company, I came in as, as an administrative assistant. And I was the only black person on my team at that time and the only female so I started telling I started telling them I want to do more than be an admin, but I did the best work that I can while I was in that position. But I also looked for step out activities, other activities that will help other people in the organization get to know who I was. And then I started, you know, really networking internally as well as externally with the company. That way it's not just about who I know, but who knows me. And that was a way for me to work around the limitations of the systemic racism because I had a Caucasian boss that just didn't want to meet me eye to eye. He was a male at that time. And I was like, I want to do more than an admin. But I felt like that systemic racism was there as well as that unconscious biases like, oh, you're a woman, you're an admin. And I was like, no. And then I saw that there was a way where I could change my degree and the company will pay for it. So. I changed my degree so it could be in alignment with the company, but it was also in alignment for me because me changing my degree from psychology to supply chain and logistics technology also played into the company because the company needs people in logistics. The company needs people in supply chain. Then the company paid for my degree, although I had to you know, find out how to go to school. So I worked full time. Then I went to school at night. Then once I got my degree, it gave me a little bit more leverage to say, hey, this is why I want to go into this role. So then I started moving up the corporate ladder and I started defying those odds. But even though I moved up the corporate ladder, my pay wasn't moving up with the job titles consequently. So that was another form of systemic racism, racism, because I was like, okay, I'm a young woman and I'm also African-American. And I see The same woman is doing the same thing, but she's a different race than I am. And she's moving up with no strings attached and getting her pay. Why isn't it happening for me? So you could look around you and see when you're different and when things, when they treat you differently, you don't have to really vocalize it, but you could see it and you could feel it. And that's not right. So I tell people, even though you're enduring systemic racism, you have to be smart about it and understand your opponents to see how can I get this to work in my favor? And it's not easy. It's there's going to be days where you just feel so depleted. You feel drained. You feel like, oh, man. But then you have to make it to a point that you want to get the best that you can get. And you want to achieve things not just for your company, but for you and your family. So once I started moving up then and I had more cards and more things in my in my arena, I was able to really advocate for myself and be vocal. But everything you have to do in segment and you really have to be intentional about what you're doing, if that makes sense. Because you don't want to bite off more than you can chew, but you also don't want to piss somebody off to where they're just going to kick you out and
1: fire you. You have to be smart about things or not just be smart. One thing I've noticed is that people of color anywhere we are, we always have to go above and beyond to prove ourselves, to prove our worth, to prove what we are able to do, what that capabilities are. That's not right. We should be given the same opportunities as other people in the organization, but we don't get that. And sometimes, even when you apply for positions, you understand that you are more than qualified for this position. And you don't get it and that's quite frustrating in workplaces and i think it's everywhere really it's not just america it happens here in the uk
2: that's so true that you said that because sometimes people they have to change their name on their resume in order to get into a hiring manager because someone just sees their name on the paper even though it may be from a nigerian background an indian background a Pakistanian background, a Caribbean background or whatever, you can't help what your parents name you. And I don't feel like looking at a person's name should discredit their capabilities of performing. But I've seen it to where some people, they look at the resume and they're like, oh, this is so-and-so's name. Oh, nope. They automatically assume that person is Black and they'll ball it up and throw it away. Or they'll just take the resume and say, oh, next candidate. So you're judging someone based on a piece of paper that you've never even met before. So it's part of them having those preconceived notions and assumptions. We need to get back from doing that. Let's get back to hiring people based on their skills, their expertise and what they have to offer. And if they are truly the best fit for that position, anyone could put something on a piece of paper and, you know,
1: talk it up. But does that mean that they're the best person for the job? No. I mean, looking at a resume doesn't say this is what the person is capable of. But there are people who do not get the same opportunities. And there are people who are not even qualified for the job that Just say, Oh, so 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 person they suck up to the manager, and the manager says it's an opening. Um, so 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 person is applying for it. And you know, it's like an internal vacancy, and it's filled, it's not even advertised externally. And even when you, as an internal candidate, apply, they're told, Oh. Well, um, you have some areas to develop on. This <laughs> is it it really angry. And yeah, I worked in similar environment for a long time before one day I just up and left, I was like, I I can't take this anymore. So when I left, I just picked something else and I really love what I do now. That. that's so
2: funny that you mentioned that because that is so true and it happens and are like because there's a lot of nepotism people would rather slot their friend in than yeah. to give it to someone in the company who's like the best fit so you see people getting certain positions that you'd know oh my gosh this person is not the best person for this thing
1: <laughs> they hire this person and you that you weren't given the opportunity have to train, have train them. them yes <laughs> <laughs> how frustrating is that you have to train them and they tell you okay you won have to be qualified for then you are the one that has to train this person it's
2: like a little it's like a slap in the face because you're like okay so I got passed up for this position but now you're telling me that I'm the one that needs to train this person and I was like so help me understand why didn't I get this exactly. position exactly
1: thank you so much for where well, Can listeners follow you or where is your book available to buy for those who want to buy?
2: (laughs) Thank you. So I'm on Facebook as Genesis. That's G-E-N-E-S-I-S Amaris A-M-A-R-I-S Last name Kemp K-E-M-P I have an Instagram which is at Genesis Amaris Kemp I have a book page on Facebook as well. It's Chocolate Drop in Corporate America. And the book, Chocolate Drop in Corporate America, From the Pit to the Palace, is available for purchase on Amazon in paperback for $13, and that's U.S. Kindle version is available for $2.99. And if you are on Kindle Unlimited, the book is free of charge based on your Kindle membership. And I will be coming out with some additional information to go along with the book, such as a workbook. And then in the works, I'm going to be working on making it available for listeners on an audiobook in who's no other than my voice, Genesis Amaris Kemp. It has been a pleasure. And if you're interested in talking to me one-on-one, you can email me at
1: genesisamariskemp at gmail.com. Oh, thank you. And what's the plan for the future right now for Genesis? I am working
2: on a workbook to go along with my book because I really want the readers to have Various calls to action that they could really apply to their own life, and if they're interested, maybe they could write their own book. They could write their own roadmap, and etc. So I want that to be supplemental for my book, and then once I get my workbook out, then I will be working on an audio book for listeners. That way, I am covering all audience. I'm covering my readers who read hard copies as well as eBooks, and then I'm covering my listeners. Who are on the go and just want to pop in some AirPods and listen?
1: Oh, thank you so much for your time today, Dennis. It's been awesome having you on my podcast. Thank you, thank you so much
2: for having me, and um, I look forward to future interactions and staying connected to let you know what else I have upcoming, such as you know training courses or people who
1: want to be coached by me, or etc. Oh, thank you. Awesome. Have a blessed day.
0: You as well. Thank you for listening. Please download and share with your friends and family and on social media platforms. We are available on Apple,
1: Google,
0: Amazon, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Radio, Listening Notes, Purchaser, Good Pods, Radio Public, Stitcher, Deezer, Pocket Cast. Himalaya and anywhere you listen to your podcast, please leave a review, comment, or feedback on our social media platforms on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and also on our website forward slash midmusings.com. Thank you very much.